follow that word and it'll it'll give you all the places where it's mentioned. You hear the word mentioned, and he's just referring to the synagogue. It never mentions him going back to a synagogue. Isn't that I, I thought that was very interesting. He was thrown out. But I never mentioned him going back to the synagogue <clears throat> after this point. Now he went to the temple, which is different. I'm sure there was many synagogues in Jerusalem and other places, but we know he went back to the temple, he went back to the synagogue, the church, the teaching. He never mentioned it. Look at that. I thought that was very interesting. And he was not gospels. Look that up. I, I thought that was very interesting. Because she, she's right. I mean, it's, you know, John 9 says that they they kicked, they would threat, they threatened to kick anybody out of his disciples, which would include him, obviously. Yeah. Right? yeah. So at some point, he would pay him the sinner. I didn't think it was too little. But if you, if you highlight that, and that literal word, you look at synagogue where it's mentioned all through there. After that, <coughs> they never mentioned him going back into the synagogue. Look, just look it up. It's very interesting. Uh, at this point, <coughs> at this point, he's so famous, people come to him. In fact, he can't even get away from them, as we'll see. He goes deep into the desert, calls his disciples toward the end of chapter six. When the disciples come back from their short-term mission trip, so to speak, he says you need to take some time to rest. And he goes deep into the into the desert, and people still come to me. Mark already told us Jesus intended the apostles to have power to cast out demons. That was in Mark 3:15. The central aspect of Jesus' ministry in this gospel. Now the apostles have watched the master long enough. Jesus shares with them his authority over Satan. He puts them in the driver's seat. This act alone establishes Jesus as a unique figure in Jewish history. This is something else I've never thought about. Uh, characters such as Moses, Samson, and Elijah had great power from God, but none of them could pass their anointing to others at, at will. In fact, when Elisha asked Elijah to pass on his anointing, Elisha, Elijah responded, you have asked a hard thing. That's in 2 Kings 2.10. It was really up to God which is exactly Mark's point. Jesus was the son of God, so he could grant God's authority to anyone he chose. If, he had a, if you had a pinpoint moment when the church was born, in one sense, this is it. From this moment on, Jesus is not the only one who can do God's kingdom work. His followers can too. You have to be proud of these apostles for one thing. Once Jesus told them to spread the gospel, spread God's kingdom, they got up and did it, whether they understood Jesus completely or not. And we know that they didn't understand him completely. There's going to be something else that, that I've been <clears throat> mulling over, and I'm not sure I know the answer. And, and we're probably not going to get to it tonight because it's going to be in the toward the end of this uh, <coughs> this teaching. This section, maybe 12 or, 12 or 13 when it, when it says that uh, they, what, what, did, what did Jesus preach and what did the Apostles or the disciples preach. Did he preach the gospel as we know it? And I always assume that he did. You know, uh, 
because you got the gospel according to Matthew, the gospel according to Mark, Luke, and John. But that's man that's adding in there. But did Jesus actually preach the gospel as we know it? We're going to talk, talk more about that when we get there. It's just, it's just interesting. Okay. I thought that was a good opening. <clears throat> so as we come to Mark 6 again, this is a, a change in the book. Jesus has spent about two years in and around Capernaum with the message. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, if you want into God's kingdom, you must submit to him. We have seen him teaching in the synagogues, up on the mountains, by the sea, and on the sea. We have seen that people like the benefits of his kingdom, but don't like submitting or coming to him his way. Everybody enjoys that, right? Everybody enjoys the benefits even unbelievers. I mean, how many unbelievers come to you and ask ask you to pray for them with something when they're in need of something? They want the benefits of the kingdom, but they don't want to submit to the king, so to speak. Yes, even, even unbeliever <laughs> approaches the leadership about getting donations, right? Off the street. Why would they come to a church? You know, because yeah. they know the generosity of believers. Yeah, yeah. Point being, Jesus had given more signs there in Capernaum than anywhere else as a whole. This had been his home base. We come to chapter six, and Jesus and his disciples are leaving Capernaum. He will expand his ministry. They first went to Nazareth where Jesus grew up from a baby to a man and playing with the local kids to taking on his father's trade as a craftsman. He talked about how the people thought they knew Jesus, but they really didn't. He was just so familiar to them. They could not see, they could see he was different, but could not really believe it. They made the choice not to believe even with the evidence of proof. They were amazed at his teaching, his wisdom, and his power to do signs. After seeing all this, they said, he's just a carpenter, the son of Mary. In verse three. The people were amazed at who Jesus, the people were amazed at who Jesus claims and his actions to be. And also, Jesus is amazed that they can't believe who he is. So as a result of their unbelief, Jesus had withheld signs. It had been mentioned by John MacArthur that it may have been a, a sign of mercy because the more you know, the more you be, will be held accountable for. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Romans 1 18 to 23, every human has enough knowledge to know there is a God. And I'm going to read that uh, from the one starting verse 18 down to 23. It says, But God shows his anger in heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. And why? They know the truth about God because he, he, he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they know God that they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. They began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. 
And then God responds to their unbelief here. It says in verse 22, claiming to be wise, they instead become utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious everlasting God, they worship idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. <clears throat> so every human has, has enough. God has given them enough to know that there is a supreme being. We talked about different degrees of punishment. The Bible teaches that. And, <clears throat> and we talked about that toward the end. The, the law, for example, murder by intent, <coughs> the penalty was death. That's Numbers 35-16. Eating a sacrifice for peace offering, that's eating an animal that had been offered, that person was cut off from his people. That's Leviticus 7.20. And pain caused the children drowned in the sea. Different degrees of punishment for different sins. I, you know, and I've never really thought of it like that, but even, even in scripture, there is different penalties, different sins. Just, you know, and, and even in studying this, I've seen, I, I see that woven in. You know, sometimes you don't see things like that woven in until you're, until you become aware of it, and then you can see it when, it, when it's read in the scripture. That's, that's interesting to me. <clears throat> so Jesus leaves Nazareth. One small thing I want us to acknowledge here is it's easy to look over. We've seen early in our study of Mark how Jesus called his disciples, the 12 at the beginning of Mark 6. They are still following willingly the choice they have made. They have seen Jesus as the truth and are willing to suffer with him, except one, Judas, who becomes a creep. <laughs> who may have just seen the benefit of being with them, which would be the money. <clears throat> so all these disciples have, and you know, and we talked about that a lot earlier, early on in our study, where they just didn't come in to Jesus blindly. We don't do that as well, because we know that there is a cost associated with becoming a true disciple and follower of Jesus. So these, so these followers that Jesus chose, I believe, had seen him and had seen his works and things like that before they made the choice. Obviously, they didn't have a choice because he called them and his will is perfect, and they did have a choice. Now, I can't explain that. The free will of man versus versus God's um, what do we say God's uh, design well yeah sovereign just sovereign you know our free will <clears throat> that, it is sovereign. some of the disciples when he first called them came but then they kind of drifted back and some of them took a little while just like it does us sometimes yeah they did they some of them went back to fishing you're right, some of them did. But all in all, these, when he calls you, yeah. he calls you. He does. It's not a. <clears throat> and what happened to Judas, I don't think it was very, and I think we talked about this even in, in our Sunday morning Sunday school class, how uh, Judas may have not started out like that. But it just, just goes to show the influence of. Of the world, you know, the influence <clears throat> of the world is terrible. I mean, it's something we all have to watch ourselves continually because we well, can be very influential. Yes. Yeah, but sometimes it also, you're right, and sometimes that though it takes time for the heart to express its, its the lack of commitment to the Savior and the desire for the things of the world. Sometimes we start out really like the parable of the sword, but 
after a while we begin to drift. That's that's what bothers me. I don't want to I want to be certain that I'm I love the Lord again like again. Yeah. But more so I think now. Yeah. You know, it's and just, have fruit that does come to maturity, does fruit that does. Yeah, it's it's just like just like a marriage. And really that's what it is. Yeah. I mean you love a person set your affections on a person you first marry them but 40 years later in my case 42 years later you don't realize how much more that you love them now than you did when you when you, when you first met i mean it's something that grows and i think this i think it's the same thing with the lord you learn you learn to appreciate um Appreciating not not just for what not just for the benefits, but for who he is. You know, we talked talked some this morning, even about uh, what did we talk about that. What I mentioned toward the end of the class, not just having the benefits, <clears throat> not just coming for the benefits. Lost my train of thought there. Anyway, anyway, let's see. This life we live, the events we have seen in Mark's gospel concerning people hinge on one word. That's choice. Every day of our lives, we fa we're faced with choices. And the way we respond to those choices will determine our future. Whether large or small, whether some choices are obviously more important, and other choices, but even the small choices that we make affect us long term. Right, Doris? Right. Even hmm. Mountain View. Yeah, small, small choices. Small choices choice. that you make. And you're making right. negative yeah. choices. <laughs> 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 but but even 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 the small choices affect affect our future. Most of the time, we make choices based on knowledge, what we know. But sometimes we have to make choices based on faith. And faith is putting your trust in someone other than yourself. That faith is where we put our trust in Jesus, not on ourselves, in His works, not on our works. Everything is, is based on His work. That he accomplished on the cross. Disciple of Jesus is having faith he will do and can do what he says. A disciple actually means student, <clears throat> one who is being taught by another. It's almost like an apprentice, which is in training. These men have been trained in training for some time now. So let's read our text. <clears throat> Mark uh, 6, and we're going to start in verse 7. It says, And he called the twelve to himself. And began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. He commanded them to take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, but to wear sandals and put on and not to put on two tunes. And also he said to them, In whatever place you enter a house, Stay there till you depart from that place. And whoever will not receive you or hear you, when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. So they went out and preached that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. <clears throat> In verse 6b, it says, Then Jesus went from village to village, 
teaching the people. As we look at this short ending to this verse, we see something important. Jesus is not only going to send his 12 out with the message, but he is going to demonstrate it in action and show the true need why he was sending them out. Uh, if you don't see the need, most of the time you won't commit. You know, and I was thinking about that this morning, Gordon. You had these pictures of three, these three kids up there. If you don't really see the need, if people see the need, and I mean got a the visual look at how these kids are treated how they're in lack of so many things, they would probably be an over foreigner so much money that they'd have to turn money back. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's because we don't see the need. Jesus here is going to show these disciples before he sends them out the need. And, we, and we're, going to, we're going to see that in Matthew. And I love this corresponding passage in Matthew, which seems to give more detail. <clears throat> and this is Matthew 9, 35 to 38. And we'll be, we'll be going back, back and forth <clears throat> to that. Because it, it gives a lot more detail. It says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Verse 35. Chapter 9 of Matthew. Matthew 9. Okay. Verse 35. Everybody yeah, with us? Okay. Verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. First time we've heard that, right? <laughs> no, we've heard that. We've heard that. And that's that's the truth. Not only they're not only seeing the physical needs of people needing healed, but I think they're seeing the spiritual need now. The spiritual need was more desperate than the physical need. And uh John MacArthur says only God could reveal that. The world can't see it, see its own sin. So therefore, verse 37, the task of spreading the message needs more laborers and workers. Look what verse 37 says. Then he says to the disciples, after they went on this teaching ministry, they're with, they're with Jesus as he's going around teaching. Then he said to his disciples, and this, and this shows Jesus's, Jesus took along the 12 after leaving Nazareth. The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Possibly this trip from village to village would inspire these 12. They will get a first-hand look at the world. They hear of starvation, or we hear of starvation in Africa. We hear of countries killing its own people in masses. We hear of lots of terrible things. You know, and, and I was I was reminded of that as Jim uh, Jim Teasdale. Okay. What, what's his last yeah, mm -hmm. that, uh, yeah, that's yeah. his, that's dad. That's yeah. right. So as he came, he said he got, remember he talked about that, said he seen firsthand when he was a small boy of the, of the mass murders, genocide, mm -hmm. killing their own people. Until you see that firsthand, it don't really affect you. Until you see that <clears throat> These disciples were getting a first-hand look. But till you really see it, you're not really moved to do anything about it. You've seen the uh, commercials on TV encouraging you to adopt a child overseas. 
They send, they send you a picture. <coughs> they show you uh, the orphanage. They try to show you the desperate need. Isn't that, isn't that interesting how I wrote this two or three weeks ago and just this morning, Joy brought them. I mean, talking about time. Thank you, Joy. God's, God's sovereignty there. <clears throat> but we can see that they could see the desperate need. I believe Jesus was showing them the true condition of people's hearts and how weary or worn down the people were. You know, we've talked about that, how the law just oppressed the people, how they uh, how they had been blinded by their so-called overseers. They see the needs physically. They needed to see their needs spiritually. A lot of the things Jesus was showing them would not re really register with them yet. Jesus um, causes events in our lives that we can't see until years later. Not only did the Pharisees, Jesus said, create heavy loads, meaning the oppressive legalistic, hyper legalistic. Standard they strapped on everybody. They had that on one side, but the research I did recently on the chief priests and Sadducees has helped me realize this sort of the other side, you know, like getting caught in a vice grip. It's not just one, it's both sides are squeezing them. And there was corruption in the temple. That's what Jesus was constantly for They were, they tried to go out of a sincere effort to worship and pray, and they get ripped off, especially the people. There's records even of some of the older older priests who lived in the temple and relied on on the money coming in, mm -hmm. uh, that, that, that the uh, chief priests and others close to him would, would siphon so much money off for themselves if it wasn't enough to feed some of these people in those records. Was a very, very evil system. And you know, we, we see that today, especially with TV evangelists, where, where you hear where they have just broke with us, you know, and, and send money and I'll send you some oil, you know, send $30 and I'll send you some of the skills oil, you know. Just for I've never heard of it advertised as Crisco. They won't tell you that. But you're, but, but you, you, you see, even, even that's, they still, that's, that still happens. As they see the need, Jesus is going to give them even more responsibility. The twelve will be sent out <laughs> to proclaim the message. Major shift in ministry. Up to this point, Jesus had been doing all the ministry, the teaching, the preaching, the healing, and the wonders. The disciples were students, learners, or apprentices. Although Jesus would give them small things to do, he would give them small responsibilities. Like, remember when he told them back in uh, chapter number three, get a boat ready because the crowds were pressing them. Get a boat ready <clears throat> to get food, get specific things, but not teaching. Also knowing this was given to a specific group. Okay. Okay. So, again, these things that we're going to be looking at, especially <coughs> verse 7, I think, was given to a specific group of people. 
And even though there are a lot of things that we can glean from, a lot of a lot of things that we can take away. Notice that not everything in here is for all of us or any of us. Just for a specific group, this group of 12 men that was sent out. I want, I want that to be an overview as well. Okay? Because, I mean, he tells them to take no food. He doesn't expect us to, to go out on a trip with no provisions. He did these men. We're going to talk about that more in detail. <clears throat> but he doesn't necessarily ask us to do that. So it was for a specific group of men, the 12 apostles. So all the different instructions he gives them are not given to us, even though we can apply some of them in our lives. For example, in verse 7, the power over unclean spirits. I don't think we have the power to, to tell demons to leave. He tells us not to even measure with that. Right, so we don't we don't have these twelve have that. Take nothing for your journey, and so on. For example, we are to go Matthew twenty eight nineteen. So go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I think another good thing is uh, go in parish. Don't go by yourself. You look at Paul. Paul took a companion with him, Silas. And then when they broke up, Silas took a companion, and Paul took a companion. So, so there's all, it seems like there was always two to do that. We're going to talk more about that as well. <clears throat> so in verse 7, and he called the 12 to himself. It almost sounds like when uh, he first called them. I can imagine lots of people following Jesus. He called these 12 aside and talked, talked about all they had seen and done together. Now is the time to put all that training into action. And I can imagine the crowds, which Jesus always had crowds. <clears throat> and then he said to these 12 before he sends them out, you 12, come over here. We've got so Jesus calls them apart. Remember, there was about five different steps that they would go through in their lives as they matured. Remember, we talked about that. One was they would, would become a, a part-time follower. They showed interest. Okay. Maybe even following in the background possibly in secret, just observe. Next, you would have a full-time problem coming to the front forefront after weighing the cost and ready to commit yourself. Third, you would be in full-time training, learning of his ways and watching him closely. And fourth, <clears throat> you're getting ready for the commission to be sent with the message of power. And I think that's where I think that's where they were at. Luke 9 1 says, then he called his 12. The disciples together came and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. That was in Luke. So we see, and this, this is where, where these disciples are. They have moved from following him to where he is going to send them out. <clears throat> and, and again, I want, I want us to notice, and we're going to look at this, is who he sends them out to. Because, you know, the gospel that we know is sent out to the world, everybody. Gentile and Jew alike. Jesus doesn't send them to the Gentiles. We'll see that. He tells them to go to the Jews. Avoid, even avoid Samaria. Very, very interesting as I studied that. 
<clears throat> and later on in verse seven, he says, and he called the 12 to himself and began to send them out two by two. And he sent them out with the same message. As Jesus had been traveling, showing compassion physically, <clears throat> showing how weary Israel was, he tells his disciples or his apostles, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So go. That's Matthew again, 9.37. God is in the process of giving instruction on how they are to go. They have first been followers or disciples for a time. Now they are to go preach what they have heard and been told. Go in pairs. Advantages of companionship. Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12 says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. And one, in, in other words, what one says, the other can verify. Verse 10. If, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is a real person. Verse 11. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? Verse 12. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two people can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So in so the advantage of sending two instead of just one. I mean he could have covered more ground, right? If he had separated the twelve and said you go to twelve different villages and teach. But he didn't. He kept them in pairs. Companionship, protection, support and witness. Witness. Right. witness was also very important for everything. Deuteronomy 19, 15. You must not convict anyone of the crime on the testimony of only one witness. The fact of the case must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Jesus had witnesses as to who he was. The heavens splitting apart, the Holy Spirit <coughs> in the form of dove, God's voice from heaven. The Roman satirian even said in Acts 13, verses 2 and 3, um, the Roman satirian said, Surely this man was the Son of God. Um, Barnabas and Saul was commissioned by the church. Acts 15, 39 to 40. Um, Barnabas and John Mark. Also Paul and his companions, he gathered money from, from Jerusalem for the churches. Remember when he done that and he had people that could verify that this was the money, all what's skimming off the top. We know that wouldn't happen, but Paul wanted more witnesses there just for protection for himself, probably in protection for the money. And, uh, and the witness of Jesus' <coughs> resurrection, the witnesses are evidence we need to confirm something. You know, many, many people seen him. All his disciples seen him many, many, many times. Remember the disciples was a student, one being taught, Point being, I believe here, they become apostles. An apostle refers to a qualified representative who was sent on a specific mission. These 12 were, spent, were sent specifically from Jesus. Now, why, why would they be called apostles and we're not really considered apostles? 
You ever thought about that? Because we're sent, right? We're sent as a message. Right. That was that was one of the, one of the qualifications of being one of his apostles would be an eyewitness, right? But what about Paul? He said he, he said he considered himself an apostle. <coughs> he witnessed Christ, didn't he? He did. Point blank. Yeah. So much so that it blinds, right? So he did. So 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 in a sense. And and they and the apostles wrote the word. We don't write the word. We expound on the word. Right? They were they were they had the responsibility of writing the word, so to speak. Right? They had direct revelation. We don't have that direct revelation. We have the word, and we can expound on the word. But there's nothing new that we can add to it. Right? That's not already there. And we don't take anything away. We don't add to, we don't take away. So therefore, these these were the apostles. Any any other thoughts about that? The official Jesus himself, right? There were also people that, that hung around him quite a bit too. So I used to kind of keep growing up church for Kind of think, okay, it's just Jesus and the twelve. That's not the case. You know, we know that there were a number of women. It was unusual in that sense that were with him a bit and supported. We also know there were other men as well. And the proof of that is when they're uh, voting, discussing who to replace Judas with. There's two candidates. Mm -hmm. That both meet that criteria that we're with Jesus enough to qualify for that. Of course, bias is chosen, but I, I, don't, I find that interesting. And, and apparently, there was even more. You can kind of see the hint of that here, verse 7, where he called his 12. Why would he need to call his 12 unless they are part of a larger, larger group that regularly follow him? You know, so I think the apostleship. Not only, you know, did you have to know, see the Lord, hear him right. personally, but had to be specifically called by him to that. Like Paul was. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Jesus himself. Yeah. What work, work. <clears throat> yes, you know, <laughs> he, he, he is a good example to us. Any of us can be deceived. You know, any of us can be deceived. Especially by the riches of this world, you know, and and by our works and things like this. You know, Jesus, Jesus, Judas was a good, a good, a good learning illustration for me. I'm sure, I'm sure it is for all of us. All of us can fall into that. Like I, I don't think Judas started out thinking I'm going to get in this group just to skim off the top. You know, I, I think he's seen the Lord's work. And if you look at him, he was given the same power. I mean, Jesus doesn't ex exclude him from things like that. And, you know, and, ju and just because good things are happening in our lives doesn't mean that the Lord is actually approving it. You know, it's, most of the time, that's how we... <coughs> That's that's a bad way to do it. Most of the time, that's a way. That's how we equate God's approval of us is is our current situation, like our our money, or yeah. having water. Yeah, Job. Having water. Job, when his friends were talking to him, you know, he said, "I'm not, you know." Of not saying why is Jesus treating me like this? And they say, Well, because your life is going this way, you must you must you must be something. the problem. You, you must, must have done, have done something. something. Even Job's yeah, even back then, Job's friends thought yeah. that way, you know. If you're receiving the blessings of God, then everything's going great for you. That was kind of an yeah. indicator to them. But yeah. we know because we were we were given eyes into what was going on at yeah. hand that, that wasn't the case at all. 
to me, that would be the sign. Hey, look at that guy leaving. Jesus just said that. Yeah, knowing how Peter it's, it's was, very, he might have jumped yeah, on him. But, but yeah. What's that? I didn't knowing how Peter was and how he reacted to things, he might have <laughs> physically <laughs> jumped on him and tried to restrain yeah, him. Yeah, that's bad. Stop me. <laughs> they would have been a mob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you, but you can, you can see the hearts of these disciples. There, they're, they're wondering, is it me? Could it be me? You know, they, they had, they had true hearts. You know, even though, even though every one of them, when it comes down to nitty gritty, they, they fled. They fled. They had to be sobered up for that. Oh yeah, I'm sure because when they, when they came into that upper room. We're about to see that with John, you know, they're, they're still flying high from from all that excitement of triumph entry. He he spent multiple days there. Same guy again this afternoon. Uh, the more I think about it, the more I'm convinced that Jesus rode in on the side. It was the it was the time when the law would be you know, select Passover lambs. Dave and I were talking about this afterwards. Remember that that lamb lives in your house. So mm -hmm. where was Jesus? Now he he did go to Bethany and lodge. He kept coming back every day to the house of his father. He was there, living with the people. They were he was gearing himself to them. They were coming the sick, were coming, getting healed, was teaching the people. The children were happy and rejoicing. The only ones that were grumpy were the people. And uh, but he. Well, he he was well, he was in upper up in the upper room. He was with the disciples. With the disciples. So people very there's there's a lot of momentum there. Disciples, that just feeds right into what they were anticipating him to do. It's imminent. He's going to, maybe after Passover, he's going to finally take that throne. And and, uh, and they were, and, and Luke says they were they were arguing among themselves who was going to be the greatest. That's how, that's the attitude they came in. It was, it was, you know, I'm better than you. And the Lord had to really work on them and flip that attitude around the point where they are saying, yeah, and that's not kind of interesting. They have to go through I, I never thought of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the apostle refers to a qualified representative who is sent for a specific mission. These 12 were sent specifically from Jesus. They were not only learners, but teachers now. Jesus would divide them up into groups and send them out. He sends them out. John MacArthur says that from <clears throat> that form of this Greek verb indicates that Jesus individually commissioned each pair to go out as his representatives. So it's almost it's almost like what the church does today in ordaining people, right? Mm -hmm. Different ordaining different people to preach. The message the church is saying, I agree with this person, the things that he teaches, and so Jesus was putting his blessing. Well, actually, yeah, he was giving his blessing, he's also giving them his power, his his authority, the authority that he had, he was giving to them. The authority over unclean spirits and things like that. Um, and as they were sent out people would know who Jesus' disciples were. He gave them power. This word used here, uh, there were two two words, two words in the Greek for power. One is what uh, dynamite. That's one for dynamite. Explosive power. This one here is used as authority. Authority power. It's a different, a different Greek word. And if you've ever wondered why Greek was important, which I did for a long time, like 
Kyle ends up going through great hell. So what? That's just something else that's hard to learn. It's, it's important because then you can share and you know what the original language said. Not everybody can comprehend Greek. I'm one of them. I do good with English sometimes. But it's but it's important to know the difference. And I and I appreciate men and women who have studied that and, and give us the different words for that. The more you look at it, the, the more simpler our English language is yeah. compared yeah. to yeah. other other languages. Right. Yeah. Love. Yeah. And most of the time it's wrong. wrong. That's right. Yeah. More simpler. The it's love. <laughs> the last one in verse 7 says, You get the party of an unclean spirit in Jesus. These apostles were confirming the message of Jesus and John the Baptist. And Jesus was claiming to be the Messiah of Israel, who was prophesied in the Old Testament, and his signs and witnesses were his evidence. I wonder if the apostles were were in the crowd when he baptized, was uh, baptized by John. Now I often wondered that <laughs> because they were followers of him. And were these there to see him being baptized and these other things? That was just a, a thought. Jesus' apostles were given power and authority to confirm they had been sent by Jesus, and that included the signs that he had, the healing, the raising of the dead, the authority that they had. Jesus passed that authority along to these 12 men, to these apostles. And again, I, I, I want to remember that these were, this was for a specific group of people. Next week, we're going to start looking at the different things that they could do and couldn't do. Okay? Any closing thoughts? That, that word authority. That's a whole study just in itself. But what's interesting here is the unclean spirits, which means that prior to the delegation, of that authority by Christ to the disciples. They didn't have that right. Right. Okay. So in Jude, Jude warns about false teachers who claim to have this authority. They, they slander celestial beings and, and they like fruit animals. That, mm -hmm. Uh, Peter 2, as well, 2 Peter 2, very, 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 very almost very interesting. But <clears throat> what's interesting to me there is, is both Jude and Peter are, are, are giving us some insight into how the angelic world functions, that there are levels of authority within the angelic world itself, just like we have levels of authority in the human world. Mm -hmm. um, and when the two meet, typically humans do not have an authority over angelic beings. And we have, there's, I don't know if you all have heard this or been around people that pray against the devil, you know, yeah. Satan, we rebuke you, and so forth. Man, that's scary. This is very scary because you do not, you do not have that authority unless it's given to you by. Mm -hmm. The one who has the authority to delegate, and, and I, there's so much to say again about authority. Just when, when you're when you're when you're stopped by a police officer, even you know, in, in my case, if, if, it's, if it's a woman who's much smaller stature than me, she doesn't have authority because she can beat me up and fight. She has authority because God has delegated that to her. It has nothing to do with the worth or the size or the gun or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Um, it has everything to do with 
who gives it, and that authority comes from God. It's like it's like money. You know, if I give you fifty dollars, go down the store get you know, three things. You don't have the authority to just do whatever you want with it, right? That's my money. Just give it back. The same with with the authority here. Um, you know, when we rebel against it, we rebel against God because it's His authority. When you have it and you misuse it, you answer Him for it. I always think of it like like money. It's, I mean, he's given them the money, the power, the right to go have this over, over you know, and but even though they're unclean spirits, that doesn't mean you can just go out there and boss them around. That's right. That that was given to these men specifically. And you and you and you have churches today who do exorcisms. I mean. Who claim to do it? You know, we even see it in the Bible where they where they tried to do it one time, and there was what there was seven that were that, that beat this guy up to a pulp, ripped his clothes off, and all that stuff. I mean, they did it one time. <laughs> that was another part. Right? <laughs> and it was done where everybody could see it. See, the, but you're right. The authority was given to these men, and it and and these these men in the world's eyes didn't deserve didn't deserve that authority because you if you remember they were they would have been the riffraff, so to speak, of the religious community. Again, it was kind of like a poke in the eye to to the to the law and how they were running things. Yes, that's that's authority is, is a it's awesome, it's a awesome thing to have, but it is very easy to abuse. Mm -hmm. You know, it'd be very easy to abuse. Okay. Anything else? Huh? It is I and I enjoy everybody's input. I, I appreciate that because I've not got all the answers. <coughs> Y'all got a lot more answers than I do. Most of the time I have questions. We grow together. So we grow together. Mm -hmm. That's right. Thank y'all so much. All right. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, again, we, we thank you that you are a God who deals with simple people, uneducated people, so to speak, concerning the word, even though we can be educated. Education is not the big thing. Obedience is the big thing. We can know what the Bible says, but not to obey it. Doesn't really matter. So thank you again for this church that you have placed here. Help us to be responsible with your word and proclaiming that word. Not that we're going to do it perfectly. Not that we're not going to make mistakes. But we don't do it intentionally. And we grow from we grow from those things, we grow from the mistakes that we make. And we're humble about it. <clears throat> so help help us be like that. Again, Father, we do pray for Dennis and Marsha. <clears throat> for this situation, we realize we placed them right here in our midst at perfect timing. <clears throat> we want to be used of you. We thank you for that opportunity that we have of ministering to both of them. Just give us wisdom as a church and as individuals as well. Thank you again for your love and for your patience with each one of us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.